Good Monday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live on every social media platform presented today by the Clifton and Keswick. Get there, enjoy dinner, enjoy happy hour, a night stay, weddings, events, the Clifton and Keswick. Magical. Seriously, guys, destination place for dining and happy hour. I've enjoyed it firsthand. You will love the Clifton and Keswick. Today's show is full. And I want you, the viewer and listener, to join us in the discussion by offering your thoughts and comments in the comment section, and I will relay them live on air. You legitimately will shape the discussion of today's show. We had a valuable, very valuable viewer and listener sent us yet another meme for Topic Matter on last week's programs. And this meme was a graphic created by the viewer and listener's son. Deep Throat's son created a graphic that literally had me laughing out loud and Judah Wickhauer laughing hysterically this morning in the studio. We'll give you a little tease by flashing this graphic on screen. I want you guys to meet Jim Freeze, the head of Neighborhood, neighborhood uh, Development Services. Judah Wickhauer, do you have the meme to put on screen? The head of Neighborhood Development Services, Jim Freese, a meme there it is. created by a viewer and listener's son. I'll break down this meme on the show a little bit later. The second meme created in as many weeks by a viewer and listener, two different ones, this particular one I found absolutely hysterical. Jim Freeze, his alter ego, Mr. Freeze, his superpower, the Freeze Ray. He works on citizens, the Freeze Ray, and not developers. Jim Freeze is one of the guys, and Jim, we kid because we care. I really hope you're not angry with us for having a little fun. He's one of the guys in Charlottesville City Hall that's driving up zoning through. The irony is Jim Freeze lives in Almoral County in an HOA neighborhood where upzoning can never happen. So here you have a city employee pushing for more density in Charlottesville, but then retreating to Almoral County to an HOA neighborhood where density will never, ever, ever be a reality because the HOA documents. We'll break down this meme later in the program and show the first meme ever sent to us by another viewer and listener. All right, guys, today's program is loaded. Um, if you go back to a one-shot, J-Dubs, we'll talk Terry Holland, who passed away on Sunday, 80 years young. Terry Holland, his legacy, so long and lasting, so long and lasting. A, a, a basketball coach, um, an athletic director, a guy who's gone to Final Fours, nine NCAA tournaments in 16 seasons, died on Sunday at 80 years old. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. He recently was in a memory care center of a senior community. His wife, Anne, we saw when Tony Bennett became the all-time wins holder in UVA basketball history. She was in attendance. Many wondered why Coach Holland was not. We now know not in the best of health. Um, I mean, for decades, this guy, either at Davidson College or at the University of Virginia, was making positive things happen. He was an assistant coach, a head coach at Davidson, before Gene Corrigan hired him in 1974 to be the men's basketball coach at the University of Virginia. 
Mr. Holland, Coach Holland, left coaching in 1990, just before he turned 48 um, and became an athletic director at Davidson. Then he returned to UVA as an AD in 1994, a position he held for seven years. His legacy in basketball and athletics at Davidson and at the University of Virginia is in a lot of ways the most accoladed, prestigious, and lasting. Holland at Davidson, Steph Curry's alma mater, and here at the University of Virginia, excellence followed him. High character stories are in abundance about him at these two institutions. He had 21 years of coaching Five at Davidson, 16 at UVA. In those 21 years, Terry Holland had a record of 418 and 216. His 1981 and 1984 UVA teams reached the final four. He's won ACC tournaments. He's coached icons like Wally Walker, Jeff Lamp, Brian Stiff, Ralph Sampson, the National Player of the Year. I mean, how many National Player of the Years did Ralph Sampson win? Three? I mean, this guy is, is UVA basketball. He is Davidson basketball. And today, he, if you're a God-fearing person or not, is in heaven. He's survived by family, by former players, by friends, and by the fan bases of two programs who understand the significance of what he provided the schools he served. Tony Bennett is the epitome of what UVA basketball stands for. If Tony Bennett is Virginia basketball, then Terry Holland is right there on the Mount Rushmore. And if you wanted to talk about the, mush, the Mount Rushmore of UVA basketball, I think you'd have on that Mount Rushmore Tony Bennett, Terry Holland, Ralph Sampson, whether you want to admit this or not, Kia Clark is on the Mount Rushmore of UVA basketball. Five years, the amount of ACC wins he has and the records he'll finish with, Kia Clark is on that Mount Rushmore as well. Wally Walker on that Mount Rushmore, Brian Stiff, maybe a Jeff Lamp. Maybe you throw Kyle Guy on the Mount Rushmore. It's getting pretty crowded on that mount. But Terry Holland is right there, right under Tony Bennett. So rest in power, Terry Holland, 80 years young, passed away on Sunday. Coach Holland, your legacy, impressive. Let's talk town hall meeting. And for the town hall conversation, let's introduce you on a Monday to Judah Wickhauer as we weave him into the program. He's known up and down the eastern seaboard as J-Dubs. We know him as Judah, or J-W, or Judah B. Wickhauer. Some folks call him the jack-of-all-trades. I call him an all-around nice guy and a personality that is perfectly complementary to my 1,000 miles an hour, 24-7, 365. My friend, good afternoon. Um, the weekend. I always ask you on a Monday. Treated you well? Any interesting places you dined? Uh, nothing, uh, nothing of merit? 
Oh, now we got your volume on. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too spectacular. We had a good, uh, we had a good lunch at a local Chinese place, and uh, my dad's, uh, my dad's, just, uh, I, I guess he can't get enough Chinese. We're going to Chinese every, uh, pretty much every weekend. So okay, Chinese food for the Wickhouse. Um, Six o'clock tonight, Town Hall. Chief Michael Cautious explaining to the community about three policing districts: Tenth and Page. Fifeville and the UVA corner. We're going to immediately relay, well, I won't say immediately, but within minutes, we're going to relay to you what Nakia Walker has to say about policing districts. Nakia Walker's not happy. In fact, journalist Jordy Yeager also had um, some, some tweets that alluded to racial profiling. First, the town hall meeting today at 6. What do you want to see from the police chief? I have some ideas of what I want to see. What do you want to see from Cotches today at 6? Um, I just want to see more of the same from Cotches. I think he's been doing a, <clears throat> a, a good job so far. I, I appreciate his, uh, his getting out and, and meeting with people talking with people um i think he's been pretty uh at least he seems to me to have been pretty um uh transparent in what his in what his plans are and what he's doing and how he's uh taking action uh to take care of the you know the problems that we're seeing right now so uh i'm not really i'm less worried about what he does and just uh hoping to see uh continued uh continued wisdom from him. I think Conscious, for being on the job for less than two months, has done an admirable job. I agree. Conscious is communicative. He's transparent. He's living in the 10th and Page neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He's going door-to-door of 10th and Page. I think he's going door-to-door of 10th and Page to communicate with homeowners and tenants in neighborhoods that are at risk of gun and drug violence, gang violence, I also think Cotchus is doing this for, to secure political capital. So when Michael Cotchus today at 6 tells a town hall that the neighborhood wants him to police the neighborhood at a greater clip and frequency, he's able to utilize that almost as leverage to combat what the activists are going to say. And Nakia Walker, say what you want, she's an activist. We saw what happened when you put an activist on council on the dais. It caused dysfunction. That being said, there's a role for activism in this community. And Nakia Walker has some really nasty things, which we will relay to you, about what Michael Cotchus and the Charlottesville Police Department is doing with these three policing districts. Cotchus is able to combat that nastiness by saying, the neighborhood wants this. I asked them firsthand, what would you like to see from the police department? And the residents in the neighborhood are saying they want more boots on the street, more patrols in the street, and more officers within visibility. He does this to listen to learn, but he also does this for political capital. He also does this for political capital. (coughs) Nakia Walker. Let's read what she put on Facebook when it came to these three policing districts. Judah, where do you want to begin with this? And folks will say, look, she's out of office. Why are we still talking about her? I completely disagree with that statement. 
The reason we're still talking about her is she's a former mayor, the most recent former mayor, the Kyle Walker. And she, in a lot of ways, is a voice for the black and African-American community in the city of Charlottesville and beyond. She says this, our community is grieving, but that's no excuse for the new police chief to only bring law and order tactics to our community. We deserve better, Nakia Walker says. Hot spots were previously called soda zones. They did not work in the 90s and will not work now unless your definition of working is another wave of mass incarceration. Our people are hurt. No, they do not have the right to freely hurt or kill others, but law and order will further destroy us too. Neither the killings or shootings nor this hardline tough-on-crime approach is the answer. Mayor DeKyle Walker says this, While I was the mayor, I forced into every conversation the investment that it would take to truly help our citizens see a better life was possible, that we should work together towards it. We need thriving community centers. We need education that advances. We need this community to decide whether it's a retirement community and place for wealthy families to raise kids or whether this is truly a community for everyone and especially the black people whose ancestors created this community. Here's what she really said. And she, these, are hers, these are her words. Her words in a long Facebook diatribe. Her words. So in our grieving... Don't let the master, in quotes, force the same tools on us that helped us arrive at this place. Demand the immediate investment and resources that are required to authentically change lives. Black people deserve joy. Growing old should not be considered a luxury. Black families deserve to see their kids prosper. We deserve a more thoughtful approach than old tactics that didn't work in the past and won't work now. Look. There's a lot of truth to what, and you may not agree to what I'm saying here, or you may be surprised that I'm going to say this, but there's a lot of truth to what Nakia Walker has said here. Someone tell Nakia Walker, we're, off, we're offering some perspective on her Facebook posts. There's a lot of truth to what she said here. For decades, there's been a, uh, a pipeline to prison in African-American neighborhoods. And part of that pipeline to prison for decades has been systematic racism. And one aspect of systematic racism is essentially police profiling. Police profiling. And you can make a legitimate argument that these three neighborhoods that are being created by the, the Charlottesville Police Department, 10th and Page, Fifeville, and the UVA Corner, are police profiling. Can make a legitimate argument. They're doing extra patrols in these three neighborhoods and not anywhere else in the city. And they're doing it because they've profiled that violence is greater in these three neighborhoods and not elsewhere in the city. So they're going to put more eggs in a basket to police these three neighborhoods to prevent violence from happening. It's profiling. It's profiling. It's profiling. That anywhere you slice it, that's profiling. I'll get your perspective here in a matter of moments. Here's the difference, and this is why Michael Kachis did it. He walked the neighborhoods, and they said they wanted this. They're scared. They're seeing people getting murdered in the daytime, bodies hanging out of pickup trucks pierced with bullets, kids seeing this kind of violence. 
The neighborhood wants it. Maybe in years past, decades past, maybe the neighborhood wasn't as welcoming or interested in this kind of policing. But in 2023 in Charlottesville, this is what these neighborhoods want. They want the violence to end. Cautious has that ace up his sleeve because he talked to the people. Where I don't agree with Nakaya, with former Mayor Nakaya Walker, is her comment about don't let the master force the same tools on us that helped us arrive at this place. That's not what this is, Nakaya. This is what we hope is a short sprint, a short window of aggressive policing to kibosh violence. No one wants this to last forever or for perpetuity. It's a short sprint, a short window to put violence in check. And to allude to, don't let the master force the same tools on us that helped us arrive at this place, that ain't right. It's inflammatory. And, That's inflammatory. And it doesn't... I don't She's think stoking it, the flames. I don't think it adds to the discussion. Exactly my point. Said it perfectly. Jump in here, Judah Wickhauer. I agree with you. Uh, and, I, and I agree with, with a lot of what she says in here. I don't like the way she starts, um, you know, talking about uh, the, new, the new police chief only bringing law and order tactics to our community. And I think, this, I think this ties into what's going on in the downtown mall, and it ties into what's going on in our schools. And it's the fact that, uh, the fact that something has to be done. Well, we, talk about, we talk about people with issues on the downtown mall. And yes, a lot of them need help. But when you, when you start uh, verbally abusing people and threatening people with violence, I'm sorry, but you... You take it out of you take it out of the hands of the uh, the good natured people that want to help you, and you put it in the hands of somebody that needs to uh, that needs to do something about you before you hurt somebody. And the same thing with kids in schools. They they may need help. They may need programs. I don't know what you know. Some of these kids need who are you know getting in trouble doing various things. We don't need to get into it, but uh, ultimately. If nothing's being done, then someone has to do something. And it's the same thing going on right now. Yes, I agree with some of the things she talks about. We need Which thri- parts? Which we aspects? Need, we need thriving community centers. We need education that advances, that advances kids so that they're not going out on the streets and, you know, and getting involved in, in stuff like this. Um, I, I agree with those things. But it's not Michael Conscious's job to do those things. And if they haven't been done now, somebody needs to do something about people shooting up our streets and murdering people. And that is what the police are singularly good at, is tracking down this kind of stuff. And so until we as a community start getting in place the kinds of things that will keep young men and presumably possibly women from getting into these uh, from getting into these uh, what gangs uh, drugs guns uh, until we until we can stop what's been go- what we've been seeing we need the police and we need the neighborhood straight up want it the neighborhoods are straight up asking for this 
he spent weeks, Kacha spent weeks on the job, walking and talking, shoe leather, on the streets, speaking with folks. They want this. They want this. That's why he legitimately did this. To listen, to learn. And also, when the naysayers were going to come out on his policing style to say, not so fast, my friends, this is what the neighborhood wants. And Conscious can play the game. So far, I've seen him been able to play the game. Look at what he's done strategically. The walk and talks, the town hall, moving, moving into 10th and Page. Look at the effort the social media platforms have had since he's taken the job. The police department page on social media, their channels, is completely revamped the strategy. The strategy they're using now is humanizing, personalizing, and localizing the department. Yeah. They're doing profiles on people. They're treating the department as a brand. This is literally what we do professionally. What he is doing to the Charlottesville Police Department is humanizing it, localizing it, personalizing it. He's giving the department a life besides just being known as a shield. He's showing the people behind the department. He's removing the cloak of mystery, and he's offering a look into the lunchroom, the water cooler chatter. And a lot of people would be scared to do this if you're the police chief, because you would be thinking, what skeletons will come out if I do this? Especially in a community like Charlottesville that has such a fractured history with its police department. The history with Charlottesville police in this community, especially since August 12, 2017, A12, is fractured. He's trying to make that relationship healthy again. In this town hall meeting, where a chief is going to go in front of however many people show up at 6 o'clock today, at a church less than half a mile away from a daytime killing last week, how many police chiefs would have done this? Do you think Brackney would have done this? No. Al Thomas didn't do this. I think Longo would have done this. I think Chief Longo would have done this. And I said on this talk show that the activists were going to come out after this policing district strategy got into the news cycle, and it got into the news cycle after we talked about it all week on the show. And then after it got into the news cycle, after we talked about it all week on the show, who's the biggest activist in Charlottesville? Is it Nakaya? Is it Tanisha Hudson? Is it Jordy Yeager? It's one of those three. Maybe Jeff Fogle, the attorney, is the biggest activist. It's one of those four. I don't like the aspect of Nakaya's commentary where she spun the narrative into how do you characterize her spin? Uh, it's... I, I think it's, uh, it looks for the worst in, in people. She spun a narrative into the absolute worst case possibility, as you just said. And sadly, I think that's, sadly, I think that's what, uh, what we often see from cops is seeing the worst in people, which is, which is why we have so many, uh, you know, which is why you see, uh, you know, uh, example after example of of cops doing uh, doing the wrong thing uh, in in cases across our country, and um, we all need to be better than than that. The cops and and those that criticize them, 
we can't just look for the worst in in others um, because I, I don't know you you're gonna find it um, but in this case I think that Michael conscious is uh, he's got no choice a third of his department is empty yeah he's got no choice but to do this you know what Michael conscious is doing he's doing the best he can with what he has today yeah I agree and 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 the reason I the reason I don't like your use of the term profiling <clears throat> so okay let's go down this road do you know, do you not think this type of policing is profiling No, I don't. Okay, explain why. Because it's common sense. Well, we know the phrase Look, common sense. No. We've heard from viewers and listeners that it. we utilize common sense too much. <clears throat> you use common sense too much. I mean, you're using it right now. Yes, but I don't A use it. A lot of folks would say this is not common sense. But I don't use it too much. Okay. And my reasoning for it being common sense is that he's focusing on areas where there has been increased amounts of gun violence. I mean, that's, if you're walking... That seems like common sense to me. If you're walking down the street... Seems like common sense to me. If you're walking down the street and you, and you cross the street because, because someone of a different skin color is walking towards you, that's profiling. If you're walking down the street and you see a guy swing a, a gun around and you cross the street, that's common sense. All right, let's do this. Viewers and listeners, Lonnie Murray... Bill McChesney, Kevin Higgins, Vanessa Parkhill, <coughs> Anonymous and Deep Throat, Scott Aaronworth, Vanessa Parkhill, John Blair, Albert Graves, Grayson, is selecting three neighborhoods in the city and increasing foot patrols, plainclothes officers, and vehicle patrols in these three hot spots, neighborhood profiling, police profiling. We're arguing schematics here. We're basically in agreement. We are in agreement. We see this as common sense in the right policing strategy, especially since Kachis, his department is a third empty. He does not have a full staff, so if you don't have a full staff, how the hell are you going to police the city completely equitably? Even if you did you have, can't. even if you did have a full staff, it would still be wisdom to patro- There, I disagree with you. It would still. I be- disagree with you there. Finish your thought. I don't mean to interrupt you, but finish your thought. I know in- where you're going to go here. You increase patrols in areas where there is increased violence. I don't. I don't see how that could possibly be anything but. Uh, I don't see how that could be inflammatory or uh, or profiling. It doesn't have anything to do with race. If there's gun violence in my neighborhood... But it does have to do with race. Because Fifeville and 10th and Page are historically black neighborhoods. The policing of the Charlottesville, of the UVA corner neighborhood, I found it somewhat odd. And why I found it somewhat odd is because the university has its own police force and the corner is part of the university territory. Yeah. I understand why they included the university corner in one of the three neighborhoods. Because if UVA starts facing crime, then this is going to start really concerning parents of UVA students. And that's a Pandora's box that no one wants opened. Yeah. 60,000, or excuse me, how many, call it 30,000 with the graduate programs and the undergraduate programs. 30,000 sets of parents, angry as all get out. It's going to be rich, 
rich parents across the United States. It would be a PR, a PR and branding nightmare, and it would be terrible news for the city, and it would be regional and national news undoubtedly if violent crimes start happening on the UVA corner, which is basically UVA grounds. What I found odd about the UVA corner being included as one of the policing districts <coughs> was the fact that the university has its own police force, and you would think that would be Tim Longo's team's jurisdiction. That's what I found odd. Furthermore, a lot of the violence has not happened at the UVA corner. There was that shooting outside Boylan Heights, and that shooting outside Boylan Heights involved some locals and not students. But for the most part, the UVA corner has been uh, compartmentalized from gun and drug violence. Where we've seen it is 10th and Page, Fifeville, and downtown South. People call it, what, that 6th Street neighborhood? I mean, that's almost part of, part of Fifeville. Fife, what, downtown South? Yeah. I don't say that. There are stones thrown from each other. Fifeville, Fifeville does not cross, what road is that? Is that a Ridge? I know that they don't connect. I'm just is it saying, Ridge, though? I'm just saying they're so close, it's almost, I mean, in fact, when I pointed out that, uh, that the area that you're talking about was part of, uh, was part of uh, what was it, uh, down, northern downtown? Everybody disagreed. And well, like, it, it doesn't just... have a brand. It could be the X neighborhood. It could be no. 6th Street neighborhood. It could be, I, I think, anything. But, uh, but there is an actual map of all the neighborhoods in Charlottesville, and that's where the area you're talking about is. It's a part of northern downtown. This is what Lonnie Murray says. But it's stone's throw from Fifeville, so I can understand why... I can I can understand the possibility of why you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't include it as a separate neighborhood. Um, Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, says being local, I may have picked more areas than the three he picked. Lonnie Murray, the king of the environment, says this regarding the patrols. It depends it depends greatly on how the patrols are being done. Lonnie says if it includes more community engagement and interaction. That's a good thing. If it's only more people getting stopped and arrested, then that's just profiling. I that's agree fair. with that. I agree with that. If this policing ends up being arresting folks that are perceived to be loitering or hanging out outside yeah. or chilling on stoops or the curb that's, or just hanging out, that's profiling. I agree. That's bad news. I agree. That is completely bad news. But if this is the type of policing where you have more boots on the street that is communicating with residents, trying to get the scoop on what's happening, that's not bad news. And Nakaya immediately jumps to this being this kind of profiling you see in like The Wire, the HBO show The Wire. And I think we have to give Kachis the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So far, he has proven to us to be honorable, mm -hmm. communicative, transparent, honorable, willing to listen to learn. He's proven it to us. We have to continue giving Kachis the benefit of the doubt. If the policing turns into stopping and frisking and arrest for standing outside, then I understand the problem. Yeah. The community should have outcry and outrage. But he hasn't given us an indication that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Deep Throat says, I would say profiling relates to the individuals you stop. Yeah. Profiling means coming to Greenbrier and stopping and hassling any young black man you run into. Simply allocating more patrols to places that have a record of more crimes being reported is not profiling, at least assuming the profiles aren't there to do stop and frisk of young men willy-nilly. We're all in agreement here. I agree. 
We're all in agreement here. That's I'm, he. I mean, he. They. They both of both of the last two comments uh, put it better better than I did. Better but than I did. But that's but that's ultimately my point is that sending more patrol cars and uh, policemen and women to uh, to neighborhoods where there is an increase in in crime and violence. I don't see it as profiling as long as uh, as long as as there. long as the policing is equitable. Yeah. And I understand that there's not a history of equitable policing. I get that. But so far, Cotchus deserves the benefit of the doubt. And we as a city deserve for something to be done about what's, what's going on. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And again, I agree with... Maggie Gunnell says on the program that she had clients she helped buy in 10th and Page a short while ago. They bought a house in 10th and Page because wanted, they wanted the amenities of being in the city. That same couple who utilized Maggie's services to buy in 10th and Page now are urgently asking Maggie to find them a new house so they can get the hell out of 10th and Page because of the gang, drug, and gun violence. Yeah. If, that problems, if that problem continues or becomes more consistent, you have a serious issue with home values in 10th and Page. You have a serious issue with quality of life in 10th and Page. And the interesting thing is, 10th and Page has come a really long way. When I was in college at UVA from 2000 to 2004, you stayed the hell away from 10th and Page. You could go to Grady Avenue, to Shady Grady, and to buy kegs, and to buy cases of beer, because you knew, at least in 2000 and 2004, you could, you could get away with buying a case of beer or a keg when you, when you weren't potentially of age. But you didn't go past Shady Grady. You didn't go past Shady Grady. You didn't go past Boylan Heights. You didn't go to where Peloton was, Peloton Station. You didn't go to where Mudhouse was, Bowerbird you never went to. You never went to Red Hub Food Co. You certainly weren't walking around the dairy market. If you visited McGrady's Irish Pub, before that it was uh, the Firehouse, before that it was Sharky's, the pool hall, and I visited all those bars because I love to go to bars, especially when I was a single man. When you went to all those spots and you left the spot to go to your car, you looked over your shoulder. Now that's not the case. Yeah. It's not the case. No one wants it to return to the level of violence that 10th and Page... It was, did you know 10th and Page at one time was an open-air drug market? No. Did you guys know at one time 10th and Page was literally the spot in Charlottesville where the police would allow an open-air drug market to happen? That literally is the case. It's not that anymore. Families everywhere. Olivia Branch watching the program. When she speaks, I listen. She's the queen of Keswick. Olivia Branch says racial profiling versus criminal profiling are two different approaches to seeking suspects with probable cause. That's damn good right there. Should I read that again, Judah? Sure. Racial profiling versus criminal profiling are two different approaches to seeking suspects with probable cause. And I think that illustrates pretty well exactly why I have a problem with... Mayor Walker's comments. No, no, no. Why I have a problem with blanket with using the term profiling as a blanket term to cover anything that police do because what she pointed out there is that there 
it's not all the same thing. Just because police are canvassing a neighborhood for a suspect doesn't mean they're profiling. Uh, doesn't mean they're profiling uh, colored people, or you know, they're doing their job. It's it's common sense. We we as human beings are made to profile. It's we do it all of our lives, and it's what has kept us alive for thousands of years. If you don't know that the lion coming towards you is dangerous, you're not going to live long enough to bear children. Comments coming in fast and furious on this topic. And this is where we're really going to see what happens, okay? This is literally, I want everyone that's listening to this show, this is where we're really going to see when the rubber meets the road. Where the rubber is going to meet the road is when, after tonight's town hall meeting, Cautious is going to say we're going to roll out these three policing districts. So I would imagine this week and going into much of the month of March, you're going to see heavy patrols, foot and vehicle, and heavy plainclothes officers canvassing these neighborhoods. That's when we're truly going to see how the community responds. You have the most noteworthy activists in the community, at least two of them, Jordi Yeager and Nakia Walker, throwing serious shade on this and alluding to systematic racism with these, this policing district strategy. Jaeger and Walker are the first to throw the shade and to say this is systematic racism. When these patrols become ubiquitous for months and 10th and Page Fifeville in the UVA corner, we'll see how the community responds. At this point, you give Cotchis the benefit of the doubt because he is doing the best he can with what he's got. And what he's got is a department that's a third empty. Yeah. A third empty. I may go to that meeting tonight. All right. I'm, viewers and listeners, what are your thoughts? Matt Daring, I, I see you're watching, Matt. What are your thoughts, Matt? You often disagree with us, and disagreement is, is, is fantastic. I, I respect your um, perspective, king of biking, Matt Daring. Vanessa Parkhill has this comment. I'm hoping that the policing strategy is data-driven. I agree with Judah that putting police where crime is occurring makes sense. Wouldn't it be a disservice to the majority of good and peaceful families living in these neighborhoods to stay away just because the perpetrators of the crimes are members of certain demographic groups? Haven't most of the recent victims been members of those same demographics? Those victims deserve justice, and neighborhood families deserve to go all about their days in peace and let their kids play outside without being afraid. Well put. I, if, if you're, and, and I'm told the police chief listens to the show, I've been heard it from multiple people, listens to the show and replay, I've heard it from multiple people. He should listen to the show. He's been one of the hot topics of the show over the last 30 days. Yeah. I mean, probably one of the hottest topics. I would say, to use a pirate metaphor, he's walking a plank right now. And that plank is not particularly a long one. He's got a short runway to figure this out. Because if he does additional patrols, foot, vehicle, and plainclothes officers, and it does not solve the problem, then he's going to have some SHIT on his hands. Because if this strategy, this is a last-ditch effort here. This is a last-ditch effort. If this strategy does not work, you're going to have the activist community 
further emboldened because they're going to say, see the profiling or whatever we're calling this policing strategy does not work. And we told you it wouldn't. And then he's going to have egg on his face. And then he's going to start tapping into the political capital that he has banked. It's a very short plank. All right. Six o'clock tonight. I personally am looking forward to it. Janice Boyce Trevilian, welcome to the show. We love when you watch the show, JBT. Scott Aaronworth says, Purevello is over there. I love that area. Bill McChesney says, Fifeville is in the borders of south of West Main, Rich Street, Cherry Avenue, and JPA. It's a good description of the parameters or the perimeters of Fifeville. Thank you, um, Bill McChesney, um, JBT, and... Um, Everybody else commenting on this. Jim Hingley, welcome to the show. I believe I saw you today at the corner of 4th and Market um, right before the show, Jim Hingley. We respect you um, tremendously, sir. And he shares a live stream link. Oh, that's good, Jim. Thank you, sir. Um, Jim Hingley just shared a live stream link to today's. Oh, good. The city is broadcasting the event. That's fantastic, city. He's sharing a, bodca- a box cast link. Jim Hingley. Jim Strong. I'm responding to him. Thank you. I'm sending him a DM. I'm going to share this link in the comment section of my feed. Comment section of my personal page. We respect you tremendously, Jim. Thank you. I just shared it's the comment section of my page. Maria Marshall Barnes. Welcome to the program. All right. Next topic. Ocart Social is catching fire right now on Twitter. It's catching fire right now on Twitter from a UVA professor. The UVA professor that's, catch, that's shooting cannonballs and machine gun fire, and it's proverbial, it's metaphorical, shade on social media is what I'm talking about here, nastiness on social media. Um, her name is Deborah McDowell. And Deborah McNow, McDowell, Deborah E. McDowell, her handle at DEM8Z, at DEM8, the number Z is in zebra. She's a professor of English at UVA. She's also a professor within the Woodson, Woodson Institute, which was founded in 1981. The Institute promotes interdisciplinary and collaborative research and the interpretation of the African American experience globally. She had a recent poor experience at Oakhart where she went with out-of-town friends. She says on Twitter she routinely hosts out-of-town people through her position <coughs> professionally at UVA as a professor. Yeah, they have to wine and dine people. That's, that's certainly happening. And while at Oakhart Social during peak dining time, I think it was a Friday night, she was asked to leave by Oakhart Social because they surpassed their two-hour dining window. After what was about a dozen tweets, I jumped in the thread. And I generally don't jump into threads with strangers. But I jumped into the thread and I said, Professor McDowell, it says clearly on the website, on Oakhart Social website, on their reservation platform, 
that if you are going to eat during peak dining hours, reservations for two, two people are for one hour only. One, one hour, hour and 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Excuse me, one hour and 45 minutes. Thank you, Judah. Reservations for three people or more are for two hours. And then it says on the reservation platform, if you think you will require more time, please call the restaurant in advance of your reservation and we will let you know if we can accommodate you. Ocart straight up says this. They say we only will give you two hours if you're three people or more. If you're two people, one hour and 45 minutes. She was asked to leave because her party was three or more. It was two hours and she was told she had to go. Is Ocart social wrong? No. Yeah. What the hell? And she comes across as a, like a Karen. Wow. Judah Wickhauer is bringing some ammunition today. How I'll does she come it. across as a Karen? Entitled. I mean, I understand where she's coming from, but two hours at a busy restaurant. On a Friday night. It's understandable. When they have to make their money. It's understandable. They have to turn the tables. Yeah. It's and Oakheart is a small place. Oakheart is a small plates restaurant. The small plates restaurant are notorious for people lingering and staying. Because you're ordering small plates and you're sharing them. So, of course, you're not going to get full quickly. They're small plates. They're meant to be shared in, appetizer, in an appetizer setting. Yeah. So she literally is using her platform as a UVA professor, literally on Twitter saying, I am a UVA professor, I routinely host out-of-town people, and I will not be suggesting to any other UVA professors or any of my out-of-town people Oakheart Social ever again. She says that. If it, if it was just her that they had done this to, I'd be a little more understanding, but uh, they, they've got it. They've got it clearly explained. and It's it, clearly explained. And it sounds like they want to be more than accommodating. But, uh, but if you come in with the expectation that I can do whatever I want, then you just sound like a Karen. Viewers and listeners, is it A-OK or not OK that Ocard Social has a two-hour dining window on peak dining nights? I mean, they even say, give us a call and let us know if you think you'll need more time, and we will try to be accommodating. This is the world we live in today. <clears throat> this is the world we live in. And this is one of the nasty things I hate about social media. And dude, I want to be clear here. Deborah McDowell, the UVA professor, has 9,408 people she touches on Twitter. This is yeah. not small. No. Three or four X that influence with UVA and the UVA network. Yeah. And there's multiple tweets where she's straight up saying, I will never recommend this place again. I will tell everyone about this experience. I'm a UVA professor and I have influence. Yeah. Using, you, using your clout to, uh, to bring someone or to bring a, a person or a, uh, a business brand. I, I find it. Uh, well, you it, just called it. You I, just said what it was. Yeah, but I, I, I find it distasteful. I mean, should UVA get involved? Should UVA get involved? Does UVA have oh. any kind of... Well, no. So this is not UVA's fight where UVA, UVA, UVA's, pla, UVA's brand 
No. It's, she's bringing UVA into the thread by tagging UVA and saying she's utilizing her influence as a professor at UVA to never send her network of people to this restaurant again. Should UVA be like, dude, what are you doing bring, bringing us into this? That's one of the issues I have. Take with Matthew Gillikin that's on Twitter. Uh, he's a socialist, Matthew Gillikin. He's constantly, constantly, constantly nasty and knocking the University of Virginia. He's employed by the University of Virginia. He pays his mortgage and his bills and keeps family alive through the University of Virginia paying him. Yet, once or twice a week, it's nastiness about what UVA is doing horribly for this community. Uh, they don't mind. I'm not sure why we should. I, it's, and in it's, this case, uh, in this case, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like the hypocrisy of condemning someone for uh, for being cancel culturey and then trying to do the same thing to them. Explain that. I mean, we're talking about her using her clout to. Uh, Potentially, uh, potentially close a restaurant because they wouldn't let her sit down for long enough on a on a busy night, and uh, and you're suggesting that uh, that we get UVA involved and potentially cost her her job. I I, I don't like the hypocrisy of uh, of turning around and doing the same thing that you uh, that you dislike someone else doing. And Comments are coming in and fast. I, and I always I always try to identify those. Uh, those moments in myself before they happen. Well, I mean, you cut to the chase. I, I say this genuinely. You're one of the best people I know. Thank you. I sincerely mean that. You're consistent every day with personality. You're thoughtful. You're kind. You're empathetic. You live life by the golden rule. You're, I, I swear, I sincerely, and I think you already know I'm being sincere here. You are one of the best people I know. You're pure hearted. Thank you. I don't know about that, but you are a. I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen you do something intentionally nasty. It's because, because I can too easily see someone else doing that to me, and I can't abide being the kind of person that I would despise. He's he's a pure-hearted person. Comments are coming in fast and furious on this. Dylan Rules says this. Dylan Rules, I've really appreciated you watching the show of late. And then Dylan's rule, Dylan's rule, sorry, not Dylan's rule. Dylan's rule is a, a, a zing at the Commonwealth of Virginia being a Dylan rule state. So Dylan's rule, his Twitter handle, is a zing at UVA, basically the fact that the jurisdictions don't have a ton of autonomy without Richmond giving them said autonomy. Yeah. He says, Jerry, you literally owned her on that thread. I just viewed the thread and she comes across as entitled. Good on you for exposing her lack of attention. And then he says this. Does she have hours on the classes she teaches? What if her students said, we want you to teach an extra hour today, even though the syllabus only lists the class for one hour? It's a good comment. Yeah. Albert Graves. Miss UVA professor better watch that slander suit. I don't know if it's gotten to the point of slander with what she's doing. But I straight up sent her 
a screenshot of what they have on the reservation platform that says, these are the time constraints. Yeah. Warrior AG, Albert Graves, you make this program better, sir, with your comments and by sending us ideas. Deep Throat, don't wrestle with the pig. You only get dirty and the pig enjoys it. My over-under on the number of diners deterred by this is maybe 5 of 20. If it's 5 of every 20, that's... Substantial. Yeah, I mean, that's 1 in 4. But uh, I, I think I know what he means. Uh, <clears> Carol <throat> Thorpe says... Carol Thorpe says, I'm with Judah. Professor Karen is in the wrong. Hopefully she'll be judged such by the majority of her followers. That's why I had to jump in on the thread. I thought how I jumped in was respectful. Did you read it? Yeah, it sounded respectful to me as well. You pointed out the fact that... It's clearly marked online. Yeah. And And dude, I feel for the business. I don't know if they have it marked on the door too, but but seriously, at at some point you have to realize that... uh, Especially if you look around and you see all full tables that you're, you know, unless you're continuing to order food, uh, you're, you're just You're being, keeping you're locals a, from paying their bills. You're just being a drain on the business. And it's not just ownership that's suffering here. I think it's extremely important to emphasize that what this UVA professor is doing by trying to stay longer than two hours, yes, it impacts ownership's bottom line, but let's not lose sight that it impacts the wait staff's bottom line and bartender's bottom line. And if you are, are for affordability in Charlottesville and you are for people creating wealth for themselves so they can afford to live in Charlottesville, you better let a wait staff turn tables three times on a Friday night. Yeah. Because if you're sitting there cannibalizing turns... That's their livelihood. That's their livelihood. You are taking money away from front-of-the-house wait staff. And last check, that's the exact demographic of people that cannot afford to live here. Yeah. So while you're making this about Oak Heart Social, Professor McDowell, what you're really doing is you're taking money away from waitstaff. Yeah. Ugh. Katrina Coulson will join us on the I Love Seville show. She's the chairwoman of the Almaro County School Board. She's running for delegate. Right now we are looking at either... Friday, March 10th, or Tuesday, March 7th for Katrina Coulson on the show. Someone let Katrina Coulson know that I'm giving her props on the program here in a positive light. Chairwoman, Almar County School Board, running for delegate, trying to replace Sally Hudson in Richmond. She'll join us either Friday, March 10th, or Tuesday, March 7th for an interview on this program. We will also welcome Dave Norris and Bellamy Brown to the program, so we're fair. We're happy to host uh, Deshaun Cooper as well. Anybody running for that seat can join us on the show. Um, Before I show you a hysterical meme, this is the second hysterical meme that's been sent to us. In fact, I think we have two hysterical memes that we can show. We can show the first hysterical meme from early last week. That was sent by one of our prize viewers and listeners, and a second historical meme that was sent, second hilarious meme that was sent to us by another prize viewer and listener earlier today. Before I get to that, I found this fascinating. There is a self a, a self distribution bill that's passed through the General Assembly, and this bill. 
will give breweries the ability to self-distribute a, a, a select or a limited, a limited amount of beer. This is from Richmond Biz Sense. Great website, Richmond Biz Sense. I think the URL is richmondbizsense.com. Now that the General Assembly session is over, it looks like it'll be a matter of when, not if, Virginia breweries are able to self-distribute their beer. The Beer Industry Limited Distribution Act, a bill that would clear the way for Virginia breweries to sell a limited amount of their beer directly to retailers and restaurants annually, is headed to the desk of Governor Glenn Youngkin to be signed into law. Under Virginia's existing three-tier system, breweries have to first sign with the distribution company, which then sells the beer to retailers and restaurants. The new bill, House Bill 2258, would create the Virginia Beer Distribution Co., which would be the legal mechanism through which breweries could self-distribute up to 500 barrels, 1,400 kegs of their own beer each year. I'm all for this. Anything that takes government interference out of the way of small business, I'm a huge proponent of. Involving government into the sale of booze and alcohol is an effing travesty. One of the most archaic forms of government is ABC and the fact that government is controlling the sale of liquor in our commonwealth. The fact that distilleries and breweries cannot distribute or sell their product directly to consumers in total capacities is an, 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 an archaic way of looking at things. It's absolutely archaic. I should be buying my, my Ragged Branch, my, my Eagle Rare, my Blanton's, my um, Johnny Walker Blue. I should be buying anything I want directly from the provider. And I would expect Glenn Youngkin's going to make this a reality with his business background. Lastly, we're going to show you a meme that was sent to us by one of our favorite viewers and listeners. This meme was created by his son, who I believe listens to the program, or perhaps hears his dad talk about the program at the dinner table. <laughs> this meme is it on screen? Uh, it is now. This meme <coughs> is a little playful jab at Jim Freeze, the head of Neighborhood Development Services at Charlottesville City Hall. He's the director of Neighborhood Development Services. Jim Freeze is one of the people that is pushing upzoning through in the city of Charlottesville. I think everyone should find it at least ironic that one of the huge proponents of upzoning in the city of Charlottesville, one of the huge proponents of density, of flexible zoning in the city of Charlottesville, when he punches out and leaves his job to head home, drives over the county, over the city line, into the county, and lives in an HOA neighborhood where upzoning can never happen. And as a result, one of our favorite viewers and listeners has created this meme. The name of this superhero is Mr. Freeze. His superhero powers are the Freeze Ray. <laughs> and the Freeze Ray works on citizens, but not developers. Mr. Freeze's vulnerabilities are logic and statistics. Mr. Freeze's favorite place to live is an ice castle, an HOA neighborhood fortified by HOA covenants. Mr. Freeze's nicknames are the bureaucratic bulldozer and the squire of Dunmora. This is a pretty hilarious meme. Yeah, no doubt. 
This is hilarious. Let's put the first meme ever sent to us by one of our viewers and listeners. Viewers and listeners, send us memes. We want your memes. We will show them on screen. There's a fine line with the memes, though. <laughs> Don't get... It's a fine line of what can be shown and what cannot be shown. I think Mr. Freeze is within that line. I think this other meme that was created by one of our favorite viewers and listeners is within that line as well. Do you have that on screen? I do now. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Which meme is your favorite? My favorite? I mean, if it's... You got to keep the clown meme on screen because it's... Out of these two, I got to go with the clown. Okay, I'll slightly... I'll go Mr. Freeze because you're going the clown. I'm going Mr. Freeze. It's my favorite. Why is the clown meme your favorite? Uh, it's, it's more broadly applicable. Uh, it's, uh, it's not directly, uh, it's not directly uh, targeting one person. Oh, see, Judah's so pure-hearted. The one thing that made you <laughs> a little uncertain about the Mr. Freeze meme was because it was specific to one person. And dude, trust no, me, that- I know what it's like to be in the crossfires of memes, yours truly, and you know I do. I don't dislike it. Uh, I mean, a, a kid created that. Obviously, the kid created that with the benefit of some guidance from his father. Yeah. But see, I'm on. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't have a problem with it. It's not, uh, it's more, um, I feel like it's got a good heart. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem, uh, uh, what's the word, nasty. Um, doesn't seem mean uh, yeah it doesn't not seem, mean it doesn't seem mean-spirited at its all heart right, all right. it's uh making me feel bad now i don't think jim freeze feels bad about this meme i i've heard from his colleagues that he's been made aware that he's been the talk of the i love seagull show over the last three days and that's one of the reasons katrina colson's coming on the program she heard we mentioned her name after the school board meeting last week and on Friday and reached out. Yeah. I, I, and we love hearing people's takes. I, I promise anyone, and Judah can vouch for me on this, anyone that comes in on this talk show, even if I vehemently disagree with you, you got a fair shot at an interview here. And to put it in perspective, Nakia Walker did an interview on set. There's no one that I have clashed with from a perspective standpoint more in the history of the I Love Seville Network than Nakia Walker, and Judah would agree with that. And she came on the show, and she did an hour-plus interview with us. And I think she would have said it was a fair interview. The before and after the show was a little bit awkward, but the show itself was fine. The king of ciders watching the program, Todd Raff, the owner of Blue Toad Hard Cider in Nelson County, he says, luckily, cider is under the Virginia Wine Act. Virginia Wine Distribution (laughs) Company, VWDC, was set years ago. Great to see beer get one. Makes sense since distributors seem to be minimizing brands so they can focus on the big five and take those bonuses they get from selling the big five. That's a strong comment. Yeah. It's a strong comment. How is the little guy going to survive all the death of a thousand cuts? Yeah. The guy who gets screwed here is the little guy with this distribution barrier entry. Right. Giving the little guy an opportunity to make money within the honest hard work of his or her trade is, is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Unless we want just big box brands to dominate each category of business. I don't want that. Do you want that? Proliferate and... 
I don't want the proliferation of big box brands in every category of business. And if we don't start limiting some of this bureaucratic red tape, the small business owner is screwed. And the UVA corner is a perfect example. I'm hearing through the grapevine, and I can't say which one. I'm hearing through the grapevine that one of the most iconic bars and restaurants that is still left standing on the UVA corner will close this spring. One that will blow you away if this scuttlebutt is true. Yeah. One of the most iconic UVA restaurants and bars currently left standing in this extremely expensive rental district is months away from closing. We are on the cusp of the University of Virginia corner being nothing but a proliferation of big box brands. And that's sad. Who else can afford it? Who else can afford the rent? Who else can afford these inflationary times, these obscenely expensive labor times? Who else can afford the volatility and cost of goods? Who else can afford one of the most expensive rent districts in the city of Charlottesville? Who else can withstand the lack of spending of students who are not going as deep out of pocket on the corners they once did? Because they have scooters and Uber and iPhones where they can learn about all of Charlottesville to spend their money at. University of Virginia students, when I was in college, we didn't leave the corner. Now they're on the downtown mall. They're at Midtown. They're taking Ubers to vineyards, breweries, to wineries. They're going to Carter's Mountain. It's not nearly as captive an audience. And because it's not nearly as captive an audience, the foot traffic, the volume of foot traffic ain't there like it used to be. Yeah. But the rents have still escalated like the volume is still there. And that's why we're seeing College Inn close, Michael's Bistro close. That's why we're seeing Little John's close. St. Martin's close. That's why we're seeing Chipotle open, Raising Cane's open, Starbucks open. Ah. Closing thoughts. Show is yours. Jude B. Wickhauer. Mm. Um. You found something you wanted to showcase for closing, didn't you? It's not, you don't really, want to show it? Okay, it's you don't have to really show it. It's not local. Uh, you don't have to show it? Okay. It's kind of funny, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I'd rather just say, you know what? Give each other the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there you go. I, I, think we, uh, I think we all jump to conclusions a little too quickly these days, and uh, we're a little too quick to, to try to, to, to even want. Uh, that's, that's, I think, the, the thing that... that uh, hurts me the most too many people it's not just about it's not just about trying to cancel someone it's about wanting to cancel someone like i find that uh i get angry i'm i'm not uh, i'm not any better than anyone else but uh take it learn to take a step back and say look these are these are other people just like me just like my friends just like my parents and my my siblings and uh you know, take a take a second before you try to get someone fired or uh, shut a business down just because you're unhappy. Good that's, job, Judah. That's my closing thought. Judah Judah Wickhauer is blossoming. Is Judah Wickhauer not blossoming on this talk show, guys? Over the course of what the last year, from where he started to where he's at, dude, you're legit. Thank you. Legit. Vanessa says, Ocard Social is not wrong. It's unfortunate they have to limit time, but they make it clear up front. Janice Boyce Trevelyan, JBT. 
all restaurant reservation, all restaurant reservation have this stipulation. No, if I'm if I'm waiting, it's my time. Would she want to be turned away from a reservation because someone else did the same? That's a yeah. great point. Then that's and that's it, it exactly goes to my point. I think we need to we need to see things from from each other's perspectives every once in a while, just so we're not uh, so caught up in our own uh, in our own lives. Self-absorbed, John Plecker. It's fine to have that limit. That area of restaurants gets busy. I worked at a few on the strip, um, on that strip of restaurants myself. John Plecker, great comment. I'm responding to him literally right now. Great comment. I read this live on air. There we go. That's to John. All right, viewers and listeners, send us your memes. We'll put them on screen. Send us your memes. We'll put them on screen on the I Love Seville show. We love memes. We, we should have a meme. Of, a, I would love a meme of the day. I would love a meme of the day from yeah. viewers and listeners. Maybe we can contribute to the memes as well from time to time. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville show, presented by the Clifton in Keswick. You haven't tried dining and happy hour until you visited the Clifton in Keswick. Trust me, I know firsthand. So long, everybody.